Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Vincent Company has led Burnley back to the Premier League in impressive fashion, taking on a difficult job that required a complete overhaul in style and culture. And so far, so good. But how far can he go and how long till bigger clubs, in inverted commas, not to offend Burnley fans, come knocking with tempting offers to jump ship? I'm Mark Chapman. This is the Athletic Football Podcast. destiny to become a manager my city is already written in the stars if he's going further away you just match his run but you stay still on your toes and ready to sprint the moment he releases the ball you open up yeah and don't let him match your line With us for this one, the Athletics, Andy Jones and uh, Sam Lee, our Manchester City writer. You're on a you're on a podcast here, Sam, that has no no hint of crisis or uh, controversy at all. This is a rarity. I know it, it is rare, isn't it? A nice a nice opportunity to just be nice about stuff. <laughs> yes, sit back and enjoy and be nice. And Andy, you can be nice first of all about. The job that company has done at Burnley. Yeah, it's it's been incredible, really. Given what he sort of walked into at the you know at the start of the summer after the, the devastation of, of Burnley's relegation and the, the sort of financial implications that that followed, and the number of players that were going to leave, and the fact that he didn't have a manager for him to come in with no experience of the Championship and needing to build a completely new squad. The, the turnaround has been remarkable, not only in in the way he's moulded those players and, and gelled them all together, but also the play style, which has gone from one extreme to the other, if you like. Um, and and it has been just so impressive. They think the quickest promotion, uh, the earliest promotion in, in sort of championship history, seven games to go. It's it, it hasn't it couldn't have gone better for them really. Just one thing to say about the the club that he came into. There were a lot of questions. Well, there's questions about the ownership. There's questions about money and finances. There was obviously questions about a playing squad that, as you say, was starting to disperse with with players moving on. What they did have, though, to be fair to Sean Dyche and the previous regime, they had. A structure and a and a facility, particularly a trading facility, that was top quality. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they were in a a, a good start and place to succeed. And company mentioned that I think in his in his first press conference about the facilities and and also the culture. And he's used that because a lot of the the sort of the principles and the characteristics of of Sean Dyche's, you know, that hard work, the togetherness of the dressing room. Company uses those as well, and and he's used the the players that did remain from from the from the old era, if you like, the likes of Jack Cork, Josh Brownell, Johan Bergwijn. Goodmanson, Ashley Westwood as well, and before before he moved on in January, and Ashley Barnes to, to sort of bring that along, and, and it has been a, a welcoming environment for all those new players who've come in, and and those those characteristics of of hard work, as I mentioned, you know, have continued because that's what the demands have been, and I think I, I mentioned it in the promotion piece that I wrote that the legs, hearts, minds sign that, that they sort of brought in 
uh, remains at the club because company looked at that and thought those are the types of values that I want in my players as well. Sam, someone who has watched him for for you know, many, many years and the way he led Manchester City, is what he's done at Burnley surprised you? In the sense of you look at certain players and you think they're going to be a manager. No, but in terms of the actual scale of what he's done and as, as you two have described with Burnley, yeah. Uh, and obviously he was Anderlecht. I, I went out to watch Anderlecht, I don't know, I think like three or four games in to his time there. And it's funny, you mentioned any question to Andy, you know, they've got a team full of 19-year-olds. When I went to the Anderlecht game, I was like, this is like watching like a Champions League youth league game. Like they, they like the shirts were too big for them, but they, they weren't doing particularly well at the time. Points wise, I don't think they'd won a game. In fact, that was the first, when I went, that was the, the their first win. But I remember writing, I, I can see what he's doing because coaching wise, and this is especially difficult for somebody being a new coach. He was obviously getting his principles across. I'd, I'd spoke to other people. They were saying this is completely different to how Anderlecht normally play. And up until that point, it hadn't been especially successful. But with a very young team, he had got them to play. You know, I suppose it's, it's a fairly broad statement, but more of a, a City style of play. And, you know, his time in Anderlecht, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. It had gone a bit stale. So again, if you say, did you expect this? No, probably not. But th- there, there definitely were signs that he would go on and be a manager. I suppose the the unknown was the level of actual coaching detail because everyone can see that, you know, leadership qualities, the fact that he is respected, the fact that he, he thinks about the game very deeply. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Said, someone said he'd go on to be like the, the president of Africa, which obviously they'd have to invent that title. But it, it, give, it gives you an idea of, of how he's seen. But that, that those coaching details, they really are there. Keep the distance tight, Luke. Keep the... You know, so you're there, and then you try and keep like arm length, a big arm distance, yeah? So that you wouldn't be touching him a big arm distance. And then you match his run. If he's going further away, you just match his run, but you stay still on your toes and ready to sprint. The moment he releases the ball, you open up, yeah? And don't let him match your line. So again, if I'm here, I'm still safe. Just run, run, run. If I'm, if I'm seeing you accelerating, just run, accelerate, then I need to accelerate before you and just keep that distance constant. Yeah? Just hide it, hide it beneath the surface because all, all, all those last years at City, he was obviously learning a lot from Guardiola and, you know, it, it might be easy to sit here, especially for the City correspondent and say, oh yeah, well, this is all Guardiola. But he has learned obviously a lot from him and he said recently, he goes, Guardiola, he goes, he made football objective. You know, for us, it's an opinions game because we don't really know what we're talking about, but they do. They know how it should be. They know what's supposed to happen. And going back to what I said first about being a coach, he can, he, he's whatever he's got, he can make the players do what he wants them to do. And he obviously knows what he's doing. So it's a pretty good mix. I wonder also, Sam, when, whether it was the experience at Anderlecht or that he just didn't have that the, the sort of senior players or the signs or whatever or that infrastructure to work with. So whether he's learned from that or whether he is a, he is an incredibly secure leader, isn't he? And there are so many players who come out of playing, go into their first management job and rip up everything that is at that club because it has to be done their way. And I think it's the it's the sign of a secure leader, isn't it? Who goes no, well actually what what Dice put in there at the training ground or that sign there or these players that he trusted, that's actually the right 
right thing to do. So I'm not I'm not insecure enough to go. Oh, I need to rip up everything that the that the previous person has done. Yeah, it it certainly makes sense. I mean, it's as as good a theory as anything I can come up with. You know, some some sometimes managerial spells work at some places and at others not for for various reasons. I don't I don't know what they'd be. I, I mean, again, I was going to say you know in in Anderlecht they hadn't they hadn't won anything for a long time. There's bigger clubs who are used to that. But then the championship is famously competitive. Like Sheffield United are going really well. There's no there's no reason to say that Burnley should have done better than than Sheffield United at the start of the season. Watford, Norwich, you know the teams going for the playoff for the playoffs as well. It, it's all it's always it's always mixed. So yeah, I mean it it certainly makes sense. It could be absolutely anything. He's got he's got the backing in terms of bringing in the right kind of players as well. You know they he's not had players imposed on him that don't really work as far as I can see. You know they are all part of this vision. And you know again to make that link to City, Guardiola doesn't really end up working with players that aren't going to work. And it might take some of them time to finally fully adapt to that style. But obviously in terms of that Burnley setup in in this very specific way, it has been similar to that. That's a fair point that Sam makes as well, isn't it? Andy, in that I'm not sure they were the favourites to go straight back up, actually, partly because of how they came down, partly because there was a, a new man in charge. I mean, I can't even remember what the odds were at the start of the season, but I reckon Norwich were probably favourites to go back up ahead of Burnley but so that's a, that's the indication of the job that he's done yeah definitely I mean even company himself I think the expectations were the, the World Cup was seen as quite an important market if you like of to see where they were and I think company ideally wanted them to be in and around the playoff places in the end I think they were topped by five points when they went into that and then have only built on that but I don't think anybody quite expected things to be to gel as quickly and click as quickly as they did. I mean, that first game against Huddersfield, okay, the scoreline, they only win 1-0, but the utter domination they showed and, and all the principles that they could, they'd clearly been drilled had been drilled into them over pre-season. Because that, one of the things that everyone that you talk to about company when you talk to them, you know, this season has, has said, one, how good of a coach he is, but also the, the, his attention to detail and just his intensity and his work ethic. You know, 12 to 14 hour days, he's usually you know, sort of first in last out and the way he sees the game is just different to to what players have experienced before and then to be able to have brought that all together in in one pre-season which was a shortened pre-season as well because of the world cup and they had a player a new player coming in the door every three or four days basically that sort of market at huddersfield showed you right okay this is we're already almost ahead of schedule and he just kept building on that, but yeah, they, they certainly weren't weren't the favourites. And I I thought they would be they would probably tread water until the World Cup a little bit, like company. And then after that, you know, you would have that little break. You would have an extra sort of mini preseason, and that's when you would see the company, the proper company side. But in fact, you were already seeing that before. And then they just built on that, and then you know, win ten in a row. They couldn't. Eat. 20 unbeaten I think since Sheffield United away in November so you just see those those building blocks put in place but they were already in place from day one of the season which nobody quite expected Wasn't there a bit of pushback at the start? I, I remember you know playing around at the back Murich in goal wasn't in, wasn't entirely popular was it? It wasn't it wasn't obvious it was obviously now it's working yeah. so brilliant but at the time at the start of the season it wasn't Burnley fans didn't really take to it it was a culture shock which goes if that is as I remember then it also shows how impressive this has been from company because he's had to change everything. He's had to kind of go against the grain at Burnley. Yeah, the, the way Graben pains it, the, the game against Blackpool where, where Burnley were 3-1 up with 25 minutes to go and drew 3-3 um, was sort of the, the moment where everyone went, well, I'm not, I think where everyone went, I'm not quite sure about this because they conceded the goal from essentially passing it to Blackpool when trying to play off from the back and there was a, quite a few quite a few nervy moments um within the game and that was when it was questioned and there were a couple I mean I think they drew the first seven of the first 12 
So the and the they had a, a little bit of a habit of conceding really late. So they were the growing pains initially, but when you looked at and the company never sort of panicked. And when you looked, you, you took the step back. You were frustrated about the result, but you you took the step back. You saw that Burnley completely dominated with a better team all the way through. The opposition had very, very limited chances. They were just taking them. And you knew that once Burnley, uh, because they also struggled to go from one, score more than one goal in games as well. And when they did, they battered teams. Um, the 5-1 against Wigan, 4-0 against Swansea were too early. Results where the players themselves sort of sat in the dressing room and were like, yeah, that's that's what we know we can do. It was just about consistency at that point. And yeah, there was a few mumblings and grumblings at the start about is this is this going to work in the championship? But then as it developed, as as everyone got used to playing with each other because it was pretty much a completely new back five, for example, who were playing together for the first time and trying to learn, you know, all the angles and, and where to pass and who to pass to and when to do it and when to go long. Um, you just see the, the development of individuals, but also as a unit. It's funny because when I, when I went to Anderlecht, I waited outside the ground for ages to to try and speak to him a couple of hours. And he came, he eventually came out and he was like, oh, I appreciate you coming, but I don't want to talk. Oh, fine. So I was like, I'll go back to my hotel. But it ended up, I ended up walking in the same direction as him. He crossed the road into a pub across the road from the stadium, 100 yards, not even that. And there was only about 40 fans in there. And he kind of stood up in front of them and gave this like two minute really impassioned speech about, you know, this is our club, we're going to fight, we're going to do it this way. Fortunately, I was able to get translated, but obviously, but it was, yeah, but it was just, even, even not speaking the language, it was like, well, okay, this is happening. Like, this is, it was strange because it was like, are these, are these 40 fans, like the hardcore? I mean, it didn't seem like an ultras kind of pub, but it was just, on the one hand, strange, but on the other hand, in terms of, okay, things haven't started this well, but this is my full belief in what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. It was it was company all over, really. I mean, I've never seen that before. You know, it's it's very old school, isn't it? Like, yeah. managers are going into pub and like rabble rousing with the fans. But that's exactly what happened. And yeah, you, you can see, you know, a, a few a few draws in the in the start of his reign at Burnley was never going to dissuade him from doing it. And look, if, if, they, if they'd carried on playing like that all season and they were, what, they were in the playoffs, it, you know, he'd still be fully convinced. I, I suppose, will he watch into the Royal Dyche? That is proper planting the fag territory, isn't it? You can't really <laughs> Yeah, that's it. what I was going to say. I don't, I don't think he's quite done that yet. If he has, he's done it very incognito and, and kept it very, very quiet. But yeah, I think in his first speech to, to the players in the canteen on, on his first day, he sort of said this, it's likely to be a difficult start but it'll it'll become a you know a perfect sort of long term ending if you like. So he 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 knew that there was going to be those those pains at the start and those, those growing pains that, that I think every every new team who were who were, who were changing their identity so much are going to have. But he was always fixed on this will work and he trusted his methods and and therefore the players jumped on board because there was never any any sway of oh maybe we should rip this up because it's not quite working or you know do we need to change a lot of things there was we're going to stick to what we're doing because this is going to work and the players got on board with that and and as the season's gone on we've seen that that happen speaking of long term what do the burnley what what is the plan of the burnley board well they it's it's to reestablish themselves in the Premier League first and foremost. Um, they are they are very ambitious owners. There is there is a limit you would think to what they can achieve as a club because of the finances 
Um, but when when they went down, um, I spoke to somebody um, who, who sort of referenced the, the relegation of the dice in in, in 2014, 15 to the first when the the first time they came up, they went back down and then came back up again. And they referenced how they sort of retooled and then within, within two years were playing in Europe. Now the ambition isn't necessarily to say that's exactly what we want to do. But I think that's that's the idea behind it. They look at the likes of Brighton and Brentford and the way they've been able to to come into the league, continue to play their style, and and and, and make it work. Um, and with this, they're going to have to be smart in the, in sort of in how they recruit. And they've shown. So um, can can they the- recruit then? Let's deal with this because because all, all the all these stories of transfer embargoes, which they are from the EFL, aren't they? Are they going to be able to recruit? Because that would strike me as quite a big sticking point for company himself yeah so I mean the club are confident um so when this came out they were when they when the announcement well the club released a statement before DFL and it you know officially sort of confirmed it because the club wanted to be ahead of it basically to show that they were you, they were aware of it and it wasn't like that they were reacting to something they, they didn't expect um it, it comes down to the, the fact that accounts late um which a, a couple of EFL clubs also have done but from speaking to people, they've barely very, very confident that this will be sorted when it needs to be sorted. I think by the end of this month, barely are confident that this will be resolved so that by the time the summer rolls around, there won't be a transfer embargo that they have to worry about and they can go out and, and improve the squad, which will need improving when they take the step up. So, that, so that's all the positives. They're positive Burnley, positive company. It's been great. There's hope for the future. I'm going to apologise to any Burnley fans now because obviously the second part of this podcast will be, will Vincent Company stay at Burnley? I'm very sorry about that, uh, but that's what we're going to do next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. Hey, 
think Company was as integral as anyone, really, to City's progress, first under Hughes, then under Mancini, Pellegrini, and in the first three seasons of Guardiola. Through that time, he was not just a hugely important player, brilliant centre-back, an inspirational captain, but also the type of personality that can really drive the forward momentum of a football club. Lots of people associate him with that famous goal against Leicester, which helped them win the title in 2019, but that header that he scored against Manchester United, they wouldn't have won the title in 2012 without that. So Company was a, a really dominant figure through that crucial period of City's history. So there's an obvious nostalgic case for Company taking over at City, but we know that 99% of great players don't turn into great managers, and yet it feels like there's certainly the potential there for Company to be in that 1%. There's no obvious post-Guardiola plan, I think, at City. You know, it's certainly not looking like he'll be Brendan Rodgers anymore, but I think Company looks like he does have the ingredients to be able to do it. We don't know how he will cope managing in the Premier League next season, but I think City fans would love the prospect of him coming back. So that was Jack Pitbrook there. We'll come on to the Tottenham side of it uh, very shortly. But Sam Jack said that a lot of Manchester City fans will want company to be their next manager after Pep. What do you think the club's view would be on that? I suppose the main thing is timing. It may be impossible. You know, If Pep stays for another two, three years, company may have already gone somewhere else and be doing really well and only just only just joined and the timing not work. Or I suppose it's if they feel comfortable with the kind of relative inexperience. But there are so many arguments for it. I mean, it's obvious. You know, Pep spoke in this season. He said, look, company's going to be the city manager one he day. He will be back sooner or later. So I think his destiny to become a manager of Man City is already written in the stars. At the stars, so it's going to happen. I don't know when, but it's going to happen. He said that like three or four times to the extent where before the FA Cup game, I think company said, oh, we should just stop saying that. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's not, not easy. It's one of those, isn't it? Because uh, I'm sure, have, have we done podcasts in the past on Stephen Gerrard definitely going to Liverpool? Now that looks less certain, although, you know, obviously Frank Lampard's had two goes at Chelsea, so you never know. But it, it, it's obvious. In terms of City fans wanting him, yeah, they love it. And, you know, Man United fans loved having Solskjaer back. There's always a feel-good vibe about these things. Sometimes at first, and sometimes it fizzles out, and sometimes it carries on, and it kind of makes that connection even stronger. Um, it just, the main thing, because I was speaking to somebody who, who kind of knows company and knows the people around company about this, and I was like, yeah, well, you could just replace Pep if it, if, if it carries on going well. But he seemed really surprised. He was like, I'm not sure because of that. You know, he's not got that like, kind of top level experience. And that's true. But then I don't think anyone could replace Pep. I think anyone who replaces him is going gonna, is gonna to struggle. But the thing you've got with company, which is what I was saying earlier on, is you've got him being a leader. You've got him being respected. He's got incredible cachet at Manchester City in particular. So I don't think there's going to be any element of you know, a new manager coming in and the players thinking, okay, I'm not sure about this guy. Because you've just got to. You've got to, rep- you've got to respect company if you play for Manchester City. And that gives you time. It gives you loads of time with the media and with the fans. Because as we know, if a football team's not playing well and the fans like the manager, it's normally the board that get the blame for not buying the right players. If a football team's not doing well and they don't like the manager, then it's the manager's fault. And everyone likes company. So if it's not going well, he will get that time. But most importantly, I think you'll get time with the players there because of who he is. But then you've also got those those coaching details I'm talking about and that style of play and that way of, like Andy said, when he had that first meeting with his players, you know, this this might not work straight away or it, there might be teething problems, but we will do this. And if you make the message believable and then you deliver on it and everything you do on the training ground works, 
And, you know, from from what I hear from people at Burnley, obviously you can see it on the pitch, but he's got all the ideas. He knows how he's going to prepare them. He's got different solutions. You know, people who work with him, who have worked with other coaches say like he's, he's miles more prepared and in depth than they are. And all of a sudden, if you're a player at City and you're thinking, oh, okay, I mean, I was always, I was already listening to this guy because he's Vincent Company, but he, he knows what he's doing, this guy. And then all of a sudden, you've got you've got a platform for it to work. So there, there's a, there's a question of timing. There's a question of how well he does in the next couple of years because you know maybe it's just not an option. But one thing I would say, at the risk of making this answer even longer, about eighteen months ago, I was speaking to somebody who. He, he knows he knows Pep and he knows what's going on at City and he was saying because he was coming up to like Pep renewing his contract or whatever and he was saying we were talking about who would be next and he said Vieira and Arteta would be in the frame now obviously how funnily enough how football works Vieira now if you were to consider that you'd think no absolutely not how no way and obviously Arteta almost almost too good you know you can't can't get him out of Arsenal with what he's doing but the point being back 18 months they hadn't achieved anything really but the point was that City knew them and they knew City and they had the right character they had the right style of play I know Crystal Palace couldn't have a shot on target at the end but broadly speaking in terms of the intention they've got that style of play and it's that familiarity so if you've got company you know he's got even more than that because you know Arteta was there as Pep's assistant Vieira was there as you know under 23's coach the company was the kind of living breathing city legend so yeah it certainly makes sense and Guardiola kept saying it and he probably didn't help him but he was saying it for a reason like I'm sure I'm sure he went into City at some point does that mean Roy Hodgson could take over from Guardiola now do we think just as, as football works from in the in the flavour of in the flavour of the month um Take- <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but the, I mean that's a ridiculous <laughs> point. But your but your point on Vieira and Arteta is really interesting because uh, former players of uh, who who played under Arsene Wenger will have been th- will have been thrown into this as Wenger was coming to the end at Arsenal. Obviously, there was you know there's the Alex Ferguson and players who played under Ferguson and so on and Manchester United. It does partly depend on. I mean, flavour of the month is one way to look at it, Sam, isn't it? But but it's also down down to timing, and 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 who know who knows where Vincent Company might be in eighteen months, where Burnley might be, whether he's he's moved on. You can only have these discussions sometimes. We can, as the media, in the heat of the moment, you would expect the club to have slightly all clubs. You'd expect them to. They don't always do to have a better long term planning on succession plans. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's why. You know the the Vieira and Arteta stuff was relevant because at that point neither of them had, had really done anything in particular with those clubs. It was just a kind of well, these are the these are the kind of guys for us. You know, I'm sure they'd have when the time comes. I I don't even know who I've got no kind of clear candidate. Well, I, I like Luis Enrique. For personally, I'd like to see it be Luis Enrique on the time when Pep goes. But um, and you know, again, you could maybe see that. You know, he's, he has got top level experience. He's, ma- he's managed Spain. You know, he certainly doesn't care what people say in terms of him and his approach. Uh, Man is Barca, you know, won the Champions League. So he, he's got that behind him. And obviously it's the same kind of style of football. So those considerations are there. Um, and yeah, like, I, I, I I was surprised when um, Julian Nagelsmann got sacked. I was like, he, he can still be in the frame as well. And maybe they do go down that route of, okay, you guys, you have managed a super club, you know what it takes. But there are there obviously is a kind of waiting towards, we know what these guys can do. These are our kind of people. They've worked here before, we know them. And 
and that makes sense. So yeah, there's an, there is an element of flavor of the month. I suppose that's not so much what company has to be wary of, but just in terms of that timing. I do think there's a bit of growing interest from Tottenham fans in the idea of appointing Vincent Company as the next manager. Obviously, lots of people want Mauricio Pochettino, but to some fans, the point is not so much Pochettino himself, but rather what Pochettino represented when he first took the Spurs job in the summer of 2014. Back then, he was a young manager still making a name for himself. He had a very clear idea of the modern, attacking, progressive football that he wanted his teams to play. He was sufficiently recently retired to be able to connect with the new generations of players. And it just felt really fresh, like a a clean slate for everyone in a way that has not been possible at all with the last few appointments, you know. So I think company would tick a lot of those boxes in terms of the continuities with Pochettino in 2014. As it happens, I think it's probably one job too soon for him right now. Company's 37, Pochettino was 42 when he took over at Spurs. Company's never managed in the Premier League. Pochettino had had 18 really good months at Southampton before Spurs. So I think Daniel Levy handing over the keys to someone this young and inexperienced feels a bit unlikely to me right now. That said, company's only 15 months older than Julian Nagelsmann, who is being talked about as a serious potential option. So at this stage, I think I'd be surprised to see company get the Spurs job, but then Tottenham do have a habit of surprising us at the moment. Talking about Spurs there, or, you know, if if Leicester come knocking at some point, or there's a lot of teams who used to be mid-table, who now aren't, who want to go back to being that. And you think, okay, we'll, we'll hire company. And he might be tempted because, you know, the, the quality of the players is, is higher. They've got a bigger budget. But then if that doesn't work for whatever reason, and it may not be his fault, then all of a sudden you're in that situation where it's like, is Steven Gerrard ever going to manage again? You know, it, yeah. and I'm not, I don't, I don't think that will be the case with company, but just to kind of highlight how up and down it can be, you that, you know, if you, you to Google all kinds of names over the years about so-and-so could replace Ferguson, perfect candidate. And then it's just laughable now. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm wary of doing that, but whether it's at City or not, I can see company, I can see company doing well. And that's the other thing with timing, Andy. I mean, uh, Sam mentions Gerard there, which is which is a, a good comparison on the playing side. But then, you know, this is being recorded within a couple of weeks of the whole Graham Potter situation at Chelsea and him going and the aftermath of that. And as ridiculous as it may sound, because Chelsea feels like a unique case at the moment, the Graham Potter situation must play in the minds of lots of, young head coaches who who might look for the next move and Burnley to Tottenham is not that much different from Brighton to Chelsea yeah I'd agree with that I mean from, from Burnley's perspective I think they hope that they well they I think their pitch for company to stay for example is to become that mid-table side themselves now obviously you know a lot can happen and a lot needs to happen to make that possible but I think they believe that company is of of the caliber to be able to make them into that, you know, without needing a significantly, you know, huge budget, if you like. Um, they, I think they believe that his methods and his style and and his his ability to develop players will will take them there. But it is one of them, isn't it? Like in in six months' time, if barely bottom of the table and have been awful, then suddenly company stock, which couldn't be higher at the moment, you know, will be will take a you know a significant hit, won't it? That is the leap, isn't it? That and and that's 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 the thing that. That the manager, him, you know, the, the person has got a way up. You know, you look at Gerard, and, and as you say, you would probably have said he was nailed on to be Liverpool manager. Takes the, the step of going to managing the Premier League, doesn't work. So suddenly, 
you know, that is is completely in the air. And, and company is the same, but he's not going to a club. He's taking the club there, um, which, which you know, possibly helps because he's been able to build the principles of how he wants to play into it. And he's not taking over a club who were, who were in a bit of a, a crisis, if you like, when, you know, when Gerard came in or, or certainly looking for, for more inspiration. So, but yeah, it, it, it is a big leap because if you go to Tottenham and it doesn't work, then suddenly, you know, your credentials of, of you know, how can you deal with a, a big, you know, a top six club, it's, it's much different, isn't it, than, than dealing with Burnley, who are in the championship, and you've got, you know, I guess smaller egos, and you're bringing players in who essentially are coming to to you because they want to play in the Premier League, and and that that appeal is there. Whereas you go to Tottenham, and suddenly the expectations higher, you know, and 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 that can that can play a big part in it, and, and therefore, if it doesn't work, then suddenly you're in that that limbo. I think it, you know, Leicester wanted Graham Potter immediately, didn't they? So it, it's not like suddenly you are, you know, you're out, you know you're out of work and you've not got that that opportunity. And I think companies more of the, you know, the, the methods that people can see and will pick up. But equally, if you're talking about him going on to then manage Manchester City at some point, that comes into into play, doesn't it? Because then it's suddenly like, well, if it didn't work at Tottenham, I suppose you would look at why it didn't work because you know, there could be a number of factors and that not might not necessarily be him. Like you would you would talk about from Potter's perspective, Chelsea's ownership and the, the number of players coming in and the, the amount of money that, that that's been spent and trying to gel a squad of God knows how many players they've got at this point. You know, all those factors can come into it, but it is a significant leap and and that jumping expectations is is extremely high. The, the, the other difference, Andy, are, you know, ex-pros tell me, you know, footballers can be complete arses to deal with and Chelsea players who had won the Champions League would then go to Graham Potter, well, what what, what are your credentials? I mean, if, if Vincent Company went to Tottenham, it would be Vincent Company saying to the Tottenham players, "Show me your medals," rather than the Tottenham players saying to, saying to Vincent Company, "Shows your medals." I mean, that is a massive. That is actually a massive difference in the situation. Yeah, without a doubt, because and and that's why he carries such an order and a respect. You know, that's why, you know, he's he's been able to to impose what he's wanted to impose on a Burnley squad, and and you would imagine, you know, with the next club he goes to, he's going to be the same because of. Because of what he's done, because of who he's learned from, Pep Guardiola is is one of, if not the you know the best modern day manager. You would you would say so. Uh, someone coming in who's learned off him for a number of years and and as methods very similar. You know, as a player, if you're questioning them, you would sort of question the player themselves when you're in sort of right. Okay, then well, what what do you what you know what are you seeing that's different and, and why and. And, and that's the thing. I think company he, he gains that respect as well, especially from from the Burnley players because. You know, just as for a simple example, when you're talking about preparation and, and match analysis and stuff, he will ask players or, you know, they'll look at for certain things in a game and players will, will point things out and then company will point five or six more things out that no one else has seen. And it's just that that way of seeing the game that, you know, instantly commands that respect. And, and that's why you could also see him making that jump because... He's been at the top level. He knows exactly. He's been on the pitch in these high, in the highest profile games possible, um, and therefore knows how and, and and sees the game in a different way, and has played that you know in a, in a team that has dominated English football. Um, so if that doesn't get you the respect, then <laughs> I don't know what would. The only other thing that I keep hearing though, Sam, is that he is very settled in the northwest and likes being in the northwest and that family and that family side of things. I don't know whether that will 
play a part. I mean, people often think I use this podcast to be part of the Greater Manchester Tourist Board, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, no, oh, no, the sun has stopped shining. Through the <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I just think he's incredibly driven. And if a job comes up, you know, a good job comes up and it's in London or, uh, I don't know, anywhere else. If it's abroad, I think you'd do it. It's it's one of those things, isn't it, about, about you, you mentioned about Potter and, you know, that weighing heavily on coaches' minds. I think if you get a call from a big club, there, again, going back to that Lampard and Gerrard, there was always, I always remember there were always, oh, is, is it a bit too soon for them? Should they have maybe gone somewhere else? And You've got to, like, if you get that offer, you've got to take it. Um, I think Guardiola himself was saying on, on Monday, because he, he was asked about, you know, being a Bayern and stuff. And he, he started about talking his time at Barca. And he was like, if you get that call for Barca, you've got to take it because you you're not sure if they're going to call again. And I just think if, if there's any big offer, I don't think, I, don't, I wonder if there's any coach in the history of football who's ever turned down a job because they don't back themselves to do it. They didn't turn down the job for various different reasons, but not because they don't back themselves or because they think they should maybe go and do something else first. And I, I, I really think, you know, if you offered company the Real Madrid job now, we'd do it. Obviously, you know, they, even though you think, okay, can he handle this pressure? Can he, can he even speak Spanish? You know, you just, you just do it. Uh, we will end it there. Andy, Sam, thank you uh, very much. A nice positive one. You enjoyed that, didn't you? I enjoy them all, mate. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Andy, as well. Subscribe today for just a pound a month for a year at theathletic.com slash football pod. Uh, thanks for listening. See you for another episode soon. The Athletic.